Hi, friends and colleagues. It's Nikki from Full Voice Music. And on today's podcast, episode 97, my special guest is voice teacher Kelly Barham. Now, Kelly is sharing her studio success story with her creative approach to building a supportive community within her studio. In addition to private lessons, she also offers various group classes and fun community performances where her students support each other as much as they get to shine. Now, before I introduce Kelly, just a few brief announcements. I am so excited to let everybody know that our new resource, Oh Christmas Tree is now available. This is a fun and colorful resource for those of you working with intermediate students. It has fun activities and beautiful songs by Mim Adams and our good friend Donna Rodenizer. Please check out the show notes because we have a link to all the information for that. And I also want to reach out to all of those of you on socials. Please connect with me. I'm at The Full Voice on Instagram. I love to share the fun games and activities that I'm doing with my students, and I love to see what you are doing in your teaching studio with your students. We have a fantastic community online. So please connect with me and um, let me know what you're doing. Please always remember to tag me as well. Now, on to our interview. Welcome to the podcast, Kelly Barham. How are you? I am so good. I'm so excited. It is so nice to talk to you. We, uh, we've we been friends for a while. We had a beautiful time at the Nats convention last year. Yeah. Uh, we follow each other on the socials, and uh, I'm just, uh, I just love everything that's going on in your teaching studio. Today, we're talking about creating a community within our voice studio and and how to really bring our students together. And uh, you've done some really interesting things, and I'm so excited for you to share them with my audience. But first, as always, I'd like to give my guests the opportunity to give us a little bit of background, how you got started singing and how you uh, transitioned into teaching. Yeah, um, there really wasn't much of a transition for me. I I mean, of course, in high school, you know, you have the dreams of maybe I'm going to grow up and go to Broadway or anything <laughs> like that. But um, I, of course, had this high school sweetheart who I was very reluctant to leave. And uh, we knew we wanted to stay close to home and close to family. And my mom is actually a piano teacher. Mm. So I grew up with her teaching in our house until I was in seventh grade. And then she opened a music school in our town. And I kind of grew up in there. And so it, it just came very naturally to me. I really loved the lifestyle that we had that, you know, she was her own boss, very in charge of her life. Um, the flexible schedule is really nice. And so then when I went into college, I just flat out told all of my voice teachers, I said, hey, this is what I'm going to do. I am I am destined to be a teacher. This is what I want. It's who I am. And so what can you do to help me get there? And so they gave me a lot of um, really great opportunities. They let me do, you know, leadership positions in the choir and in the vocal jazz ensemble. And uh, my voice teacher, you know, I could ask her 
any kinds of pedagogical questions that I wanted to within my lessons. Wow. I took a beginning voice class, which allowed me to sort of watch how she taught totally beginner students because, mm-hmm. of course, you know, even by the time I was 19 in college, I didn't remember what that felt like. Right. Yes. So um, so it was really awesome, and I'm very grateful for that. And really, we've just been so fortunate. My husband is an English teacher, and we graduated from college the same year. He got a job locally right off the bat, so I was able to set up my studio. And um, because I'm still in the same sort of area where I went to college, all of my voice teachers are happy to recommend students to me. Oh, how wonderful. Yeah, it was... Uh, I mean, my life has really just been kind of going according to plan the whole time. <laughs> this is, I love this. This is why I love talking to teachers and getting their story because many teachers talk about how they were geared up to be performers. And that certainly was my story, like teaching was something I did reluctantly. But how wonderful that you knew exactly where you wanted to go and you were already collecting that information right out of the gate. Uh, I was. And I don't actually think that I'm a common story. I think I'm kind of more the exception. And by the time I graduated from college, I was kind of overperforming. I didn't ever want to do it again. It took me six years to get back on a stage. Really? I, uh, yeah, I realized, I think I was 27, and I my son was only six months old, and um, a local theater was doing Into the Woods, and my husband said, you know, you've always wanted to do that show, and so I went in and auditioned on a whim, and I thought, maybe it would be good to practice what I preach, you know, put myself right. out there. If I'm really, if I'm teaching performers, I should be practicing it more. So I kind of jumped in, and, and actually that theater was very supportive of of me and giving me opportunities to music direct, which wow. it turns out I loved. It really <laughs> was so much fun. Um, yeah, so it was, everything has just worked out so well. I'm, I'm so, I'm grateful. <laughs> oh, I think that's so, that's, that's a great story. I love that. Um, now, I also love the fact that you wanted to stay close to home and local and that you because you always hear the stories of you know I lived in rural but I moved to the big city and you've embraced being close to family and and where you're at I mean that that's also I think a unique story oh well Nikki you cannot be free babysitting I mean, I don't, I will never understand the, I mean, we have had free babysitting for life. Mm. And, you know, if I'm in a bind and I need an accompanist, my mom is a killer pianist (laughs) and I can, you know, snagger in for free. I try not to, uh, I try not to overuse that, but yeah, it's wonderful. My little brother is still here and he's a fantastic musician. He played bass for one of my events last spring. Amen to free babysitting. I I have uh, my in my um, mother-in-law and my my husband's family. They are walking distance from our house, and I don't know what I would have done being a self-employed person. I mean, when Noah was born, I had to go back so soon after after he arrived, and I would have yeah 
I felt so much better knowing it was family taking care of him and shout out to my shout out to my mother-in-law Connie she is she is Noah's best friend and man you're right it I and I know that we have colleagues that struggle with childcare and balancing that home and business side of things so yeah no oh. grammys are oh man grammys are god's gift to this earth <laughs> I love it. Well, you I, would have to pay me a lot of money to move away from my mom and my mother-in-law. Right? Oh, great points. Great points. Now, what ages are you working with in your studio? Um, well, my youngest is 11 and my oldest is 61. Oh, wow. Yeah, but I would say the majority, you know, the majority are middle school, high school. Mm-hmm. Well, I do have um, one class who um, they were huge in sort of building sort of the community of my studio for the last couple of years and upping it. And they're like the class that won't go away, <laughs> which I love, of course. I mean, I adore them. And Two of them stuck around for a year, took a gap year before college. One of them, you know, she went to her freshman year of college and now she's going into her sophomore year and she's back. And then another one called me the other day and I'm teaching her little brother now. And she said, hey, can I reserve a spot in the fall since I'm going to be back in town for college? And I'm like, you know, of course. I don't know how you say no to them. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Well, you're such an important part of their lives and and they they just want to go, keep coming back. I love that. Now, you have some really interesting group classes that you do with your students. Can you tell everybody a little bit about those? Yeah. So, I mean, of course, we have the private lesson format where they come pretty much weekly and then Once every three to four weeks, I like to do a studio class Mm -hmm. and everyone who is available because it's a Saturday. So some kids are available, some kids are not. um, They come in and I usually have snacks, of Mm. course, because that's how you keep them coming. Snacks. Um, For the first couple of years, I would give out candy to people who would perform (laughs) because I'm not kidding you, teenagers, they would just keep coming back. And um, the studio classes, they sort of evolved into this really fun thing that the kids look forward to. And they they come in, they hug each other, they catch up on what's going on. Um, you know, they make coffee, tea, cocoa, whatever, and then <laughs> they perform for each other. How and, um, you know, the goal initially was to get them some really good performance practice. That's sure. very low pressure, low key. And... So what we've started doing is allowing people to see, okay, yes, there are other people working on what I'm working on. Mm-hmm. Um, I can do this. And even when I have a voice crack or I sing a totally wrong note or if I was under pitch that whole song, I have all these essentially classmates who are not going to tear me down for it. You know, They're mm-hmm. going to give me really helpful suggestions and tell me what maybe worked for them. Nice. And Uh, And so sometimes we change up the format. Mm -hmm. Um, We did one class where, um, well, let me preface this by saying, you know, in the speakeasy, we have these really great presentations. Mm. And Mary Beth Dame did a chat once on um, core singing. And one of the things she talked about was having her singers line up on the edge of a stage and you could only send positive energy to the one performer who was performing at the time. Wow. So I totally stole that one day. 
And I just, you know, we had someone get up and sing, and I said, okay, the goal for today's studio class is you can only send positive, loving energy towards this performer, and we're going to see if they feel any different performing for you. Wow. And it was this, like, such the coolest energy in the room. And um, so I was like, oh, this is really cool. This is amazing. Like, thank you, Mary Beth. And then... What was hilarious is the next studio class, they were like, we really like that and want to do it sometimes, but can we also have the criticism? (laughs) I was like, (laughs) of course. (laughs) Because they give each other such, like, positive, constructive comments. They're, Mm -hmm. I mean, it all comes from a place of support because they know they're sort of in this together. They're, you know, they're in this vocal arena of Mm -hmm. improvement and chasing their dreams all together. And it's just wonderful to see. Oh, absolutely. One of the things that I uh, love to do with my teens, uh, and I think this is so helpful for them, and and you're doing it within your studio, is just that understanding that they're not in this alone, that they are not the only ones struggling with their registration or their breathing or their stage nerves. Um, Absolutely. They, because I think, and we've talked a little bit about this, but you know, sometimes studying an instrument, studying voice, it's so lonely and we get all stuck in our heads and we have all these sad thoughts. And I love that idea about sending the, the positive energy, but I also love that they're, they want that feedback too. I think that's great. (laughs) Yeah. It's so funny. I mean, they love it. Now, you were also telling me you were doing some ear training and musicianship skills with your singers. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, Well, of course, you know, we use the full voice because (laughs) it's the best. (laughs) One of the best ways of ear training and musicianships is doing the ensemble work. Mm. Um, It just makes them listen on a whole new level. And... When you have the ensemble work, then you have rehearsals together and you have shared goals. Mm. So on top of developing these musicianship skills, they are, again, putting more energy into this community that we're creating Mm -hmm. where they're working together. And they feel so proud of that. Mm -hmm. I mean, they love it. But um, yeah, most of the musicianship we do is, you know, it's just your basic sight singing, ear training, doing doing full voice curriculum. And then um, oftentimes, you know, if, if they can't sing or honestly they're just tired and need a day off, right? you know, we'll do a lot of critical listening. Oh, I love it. Yeah. And one of the things I actually like to listen for is on live recordings. I like to teach them how to listen for imperfections mm. that add to the beauty. Oh, wonderful. Okay, let's go through that. How? That is so difficult. That is so difficult. The kids are used to like, oh, how do you do that? How do you break that down for them? Um. Well, I mean, you know, YouTube videos are great because, mm-hmm. I mean, you can find YouTube videos of even Jeremy Jordan's voice cracking. Right. And, <laughs> um, and that's, you know, and it's wonderful. And the point is that live singing is not supposed to be perfect. Right. One of our studio values is to embrace the imperfect sound. Mm-hmm. And um, it just lets them be more generous performers. And, you know, even their favorite singers who they follow on Instagram and watch their YouTube channels make mistakes. Mm-hmm. 
And those mistakes are actually what we connect with, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, that, that, that they're human. It's hard to connect with a completely produced recording that's on the radio, but, you know, we tend to connect with live singing in a different way. So I do try to show them live singing clips and say, you know, wow, did you really hear how they kind of like bent that note? I wonder if that was a choice or if something came out and then they had to make a split second decision mm. about how to, to you know, make it something cool. One of my uh, favorite professors in college, he was a vocal jazz and he said, there are no wrong notes, only wrong resolutions. <laughs> Oh, that should be on a t-shirt. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's a great that's a great reminder to all of us, even those of us who have been performing for a while that you know, you you're going to make mistakes, but can you recover from it? Absolutely. And I think mistakes are a huge part of connecting with your audience. I really do. Mm-hmm. Allowing yourself to be a vulnerable performer. I mean, that's where it's at, you know. I love that. I mean, gosh, last night my students did a, um, we called it the Palouse Princess Pop-Up Party. Oh, what is, okay, I saw that on your socials. What is that? What did you do? Okay, so we legit stole it from the Broadway Princess Party, of course. Okay. Um, Because, you know, I have all these teenagers who just love the Broadway Princess Party, and how can you not, I mean... Laura Osnes is amazing, and the way that they do it is just really fun. Mm-hmm. And um, one of my class of 2018, who's actually leaving now, she has been asking me to do something like this for about a year. So it was kind of her going away present. And I said, okay, this is going to be the summer lesson thing. Anyone who does summer lessons, the end of summer, we're going to have a princess pop-up party. It's going to be all royal-themed music, and then we'll go perform it at a coffee house. Oh, wonderful. So... Yeah, so we they all picked out their music and they embodied a certain character. And then last night we went to the local coffee house and I mean before they sang I just told them the goal for tonight is literally just to have fun. This is oh. not meant to be a high pressure thing. It's a coffee shop. We are acting like princesses and princes. I mean, this is just literally for fun. <laughs> and so be vulnerable, make mistakes. Be giant dorks. Like if your dorkiness level is, you know, here, I want you to take it up like six notches and be an even (laughs) bigger dork. And I could not believe the performances that I saw last night. It was was probably one of the most generous performances I have ever seen from my studio as a whole. Wow. And they just, I mean, they did things that they hadn't done in lessons. I mean, you know how students get that adrenaline and then they do something and you're like, whoa, we have not done that. (laughs) And, (laughs) you know, like 90% of the time it worked. And that other 10%, that other 10% of the time when it didn't work, they sort of like recovered from it in some other cool way that they wouldn't have stumbled upon if they weren't willing to just go out there and be vulnerable and maybe fail big. Right. But I mean, and it was so much fun. I mean, the house was packed. There were people stopping on the sidewalk outside of the coffee shop to see what was going on. <laughs> it was such a fun night. 
Oh, that is so much fun. And I mean, that is one of the challenges that a lot of teachers are expressing is how do we help our students find their authentic voice and make like challenge themselves out of their comfort zones? And that sounds like so much fun. I love it. I love it. What were some of the songs that were performed last night? Oh, goodness. Um, Well, we had, for the first time in forever, you can't have a princess party without Let It Go. (laughs) You just can't. I don't care if you're sick of Let It Go. You can't have a party without it. Um, I I even performed. I sang Mother Knows Best. Oh, wonderful. I love that. And, yeah, we we had a couple of our princes sing Agony. Oh, that is one of my favorites. We had, um, oh, we had Morning Person. So we didn't just stick with Disney. You know, we had Morning Person from Shrek. Oh, And yes. we had Live Out Loud from A Little Princess. Mm. And, oh, my daughter and her best friend wrote a song called <gasps> As a Princess. And they played on their ukuleles and sang it. And they taught it to my niece who showed up a couple days before who wanted to be in the show. <laughs> and it was... It was so much fun. What we had a, on the steps of the palace. Oh, it, yes. it was. What yes. a fun theme. What a fun theme. And, you know, it's funny, too, because I sometimes I shy away from those themes, you know, because it's like, oh, princesses. But, you know, if you give them permission just to go to town with it, what a fun evening. I actually think the cheese is the key. <laughs> you know, you you get cheesy enough mm-hmm. and then they can take it over the top because it's like, oh my gosh, well, you know, we're already here. So right. I have to go over the top and pretend like I'm not taking this too seriously. Mm. I love so it. So it, it was just, it was a great night. I was very, very proud of all of them. Oh, how much fun. Thank you so much for sharing that. Now, I wanted to ask you, um, you know, building a community and 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 this this support that your students have for each other is just wonderful. Do you ever struggle with competition? Like, unfortunately, that is one of the downsides I feel of of singing and performing. Is you know we're always the compare and despair. Do you ever struggle with that within your teaching studio? Um. I wouldn't say it's so much competition mm-hmm. as they really respect each other mm-hmm. and look up to each other a lot that sometimes my singers can have this I'm not good enough feeling or I'm not quite where this person that I think uh, is so great are. Sure. And what's funny is the people who express that to me, I'm like, are you kidding me? Like you're... <laughs> You're, it's hard because, you know, you want to say, yes, of course, you're on their level. Right. Without making them feel like there are different levels. Oh, If that well makes said. sense, you know. Um, so, of course, you know, as any good teacher does, we try to appeal to the individuality and uniqueness of each student mm-hmm. in, in, a, in a sense that it's not that they're so much better than you or that they're – like you're completely different singers and you can do everything – that you want to do with your voice just as they can do everything they want with their voice. Mm-hmm. Um, so I haven't had a lot of competition, but I have in the past had a couple singers who sort of hold themselves back from sort of attacking these performances and opportunities 
because they feel like they're not as good as some of my more advanced students or those who have been in the studio longer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that's just, you know, you work with the individual to overcome that. um, And it usually... It usually takes just a lot of talking to them about what their personal strengths are Mm -hmm. and what their strengths as individuals are and actually talking about what that other student that they are sort of looking up to, what their strengths are and the work that they've done to get where they are. So with, you know, I I don't like to compare students, of course, but sometimes if someone's saying, gosh, I'm just not as good as so-and-so, And I can say, well, you know, it's really not about being as good or not as good. It's that what do you like about what they do? Mm. And what do you like about what you do? Because if I had, you know, six of the same student up there, that's not going to make for a very interesting show. What makes for a great show and a great studio experience is having all the different voices so that's usually how we can get them over it. And then mm-hmm. them coming to studio class and hearing how they have people who look up to them mm. and and hearing that really positive feedback from their peers. And it turns out that my students who only get positive feedback from their peers tend to be the ones with the lowest confidence Ooh. because they kind of feel like, well, if you don't have anything, like if you're just coming up with these sort of random comments – Mm. that are you're afraid to say something that I could do to improve. And I don't even know if they know that that's what's going on in their head. Mm. But you can kind of see it like when everybody says, oh, yeah, that was so great. I love it. And it's very vague rather than you did some really great things there. You know, I struggle with getting through a breath phrase. And so when I try this, it usually helps. Mm. And then that student's like, oh, great. I'll take that to note. And they have something to work on. Mm-hmm. Did I even answer the question? Did I totally veer away from the <laughs> No, that was that was beautiful. And and these are the I mean, this is these are the these are the challenges that we face, especially working with, with teens, like intermediate and, and and young people that are struggling with, you know, identity and school and all their stresses. Yeah. And there is a lot of I mean, there's a lot of compare and despair in the arts, right? But definitely with Between Singers. I love that you recognize that, you know, their voice is their voice and no one else has that voice. And I think that's so, it's so important. It's not easy and not, and sometimes they don't, they don't hear it, right? They don't, you say those words, but they're like, yeah, I am not going to, I'm not listening to you. (laughs) And I actually think, and I actually think it does help with individual self-confidence to mm-hmm. be able to look at another singer and and be proud of what they're doing. Oh, look at another thank singer you for saying and that. think, you know, and think, wow, this is really cool. And they have these strengths and they've worked really hard. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate who you are as a singer. And it doesn't have to have anything to do with me. Oh, so important. And now for the My Music Staff Minute. Hey everyone. Erin here, and today we're chatting about the importance of including your Teachables on your website. This one may seem kind of obvious. Of course you're going to include what you teach on your website. But the key here is to be specific. For example, some schools claim to teach many different instruments and offer various lesson programs. While this is a great offering, it's not specific and doesn't give the user any concrete information about what the studio offers. Not only that, But these kinds of vague descriptions are not very search engine friendly and often lead to low search results. 
Search engines like Google wouldn't know if you're an ideal match for a student or parent searching for your service. Most people are likely to use words or phrases like Kids Guitar Lessons Toronto, not Various Lessons for Many Different Instruments. Instead, include keywords in your descriptions like We provide group and private kids guitar lessons in Toronto. You're giving more detailed information to the user, and your studio is more likely to show up in a search. If you teach more than one instrument, create additional pages on your site for each instrument and explain what students can expect from those lessons. At the end of the day, it helps to think about possible keywords people will use during searches. Consider the kinds of keywords you would use if you were performing a similar search. You can start your 30-day free trial of My Music Staff today at www.mymusicstaff.com. And stay tuned for next week's tips and tricks on the My Music Staff Minute, exclusively on the Full Voice Podcast. Oh, so important. I love that you said that. And I think it's a it's an important reminder. This year at my recital, uh, I did those compliment cards. And Yes, uh, I love that. And I had never done it before and I was kind of like, I don't know. And it was a lot of extra work. And at the end of the recital, I had to collect all of these cards. But oh my goodness, like the the comments that people made and the, and I could tell them when they were from a student, right? So the students yeah. were able to compliment each other and they were listening, like active listening, and they were, it made a huge difference. And and I think one of, one of the big takeaways for me was how the impact it had on the parents. Oh, absolutely. Right. The parents were like surprised that other people thought good things about their kid. It's like, what? Right. Really? But you just don't know how people are are I mean, we sit in the audience and we want our our child to do like I want my kid to be the best baseball player, right? And you know, right. those kind of things. So Do you know one un- unexpected one really unexpected uh positive side effect of the compliment cards hmm. was as a teacher seeing what my students wrote during performance mm-hmm. gave me a better perspective as a teacher because sometimes it's hard to turn off the teacher. Oh, and yes. I work really hard to to when – I work really hard to turn off the teacher when the performance happens mm. and just sit in that moment. And whatever happens in that moment is there. It's happening then. It's done. It's art. It's, you know, it's a living, breathing art thing. It's not – a painting that's there forever, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I try to turn off the teacher during those times, but sometimes you're still listening and you're like, ooh, we've worked on that and it's oh, so close, yes. you know? But when you read the compliments that the students have written for each other, you get to see things that you might have missed as the teacher because you were sort of distracted by this other thing. I thank you so much for bringing that up. I struggle with that too. It's hard for me sometimes just to sit and enjoy and recognize that, you know, good work was done, even if that performance was 
not their best performance. And of course, we all do this. Teachers listening to this, you know you're sitting in the audience going, did I fail this student somehow? Yes. We're always, we're always, it's always us, right? Or even worse, I think is the, you know, what are people going to think about my teaching skills if they hear this performance? Oh, yeah. That's a bad one. That's a big one for a lot of us. And those compliment cards come back and you're like, yeah, people are listening differently. They weren't in the studio for the last six months, right? Absolutely. Thank you for bringing that up. Now, I would love (laughs) for you to tell everybody about your recital. Kelly's, Kelly's recital, when she shared what she did this past year I read the post and I said Kelly wins (laughs) (laughs) well thank you for that (laughs) well I mean really it would be that my um my network of teachers wins because I basically just stole ideas from all of them (laughs) and put put it together um So the showcase actually came about because in looking at my studio the past couple of years, I have realized that the majority of my students are not pursuing a classical track. Okay. And um, I mean, part of that could be the the little chip on my shoulder from college. Um, (laughs) That's That's a whole other podcast. Right. That is a whole other podcast. Um, But most of them, you know, are not pursuing that track. Sure. I would say there are a few graduates every couple years who do go into college for music ed or vocal performance or, uh, you know, pursuing a BFA in musical theater. So I would say that about two-thirds of the singers in the studio now, once they graduate from high school and they're not in choir all the time and mom and dad aren't paying for their lessons anymore, sometimes their love of singing just kind of gets put on the back burner for whatever other career they're pursuing. Sure. And so one of the things that I have been trying to do over the last couple of years is give them more gigging practice Mm -hmm. so that they're putting together – more of a popular music set that they could perform at an open mic night or a cabaret night, or if they want to go audition for a community theater show or a college show that's not part of their degree program after they leave my studio. So that meant that the traditional recital format needed to go by the wayside because that wasn't relevant to their mm-hmm. education anymore. Nice. So... um So I thought, you know, maybe we should do something with a full band and that's going to be more of what they might experience as a, as a, you know, amateur performer, a vocational performer, something like that. So I thought, okay, well then what do you need first? You need a bar. So, um, (laughs) (laughs) And honestly, you know, how many Little League games and choir concerts and volleyball games and dance recitals do we as parents have to sit through? Mm. And, you know, how much more fun would that be if you could be eating dinner and have a glass of wine while you're watching your kid? Amen. Oh, my gosh. If I could, like, take that to the ball diamond, I would be so happy. (laughs) 
Exactly. <laughs> so, and I mean, you know, and it doesn't have to be wine, you know, a cup of coffee or, sure. you know, uh, LaCroix, whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> but just this idea of sort of food and drink. Nice. That makes the audience members more comfortable to just sit and be doing their thing without just sitting and staring at a recital. Nice. And then because the audience members are doing something with their hands, they're getting up and down to get more food or go to the bar, which I did not host. I mean, of course not. It was a no-host bar. You had to open mm-hmm. a tab. Um, it put the performers at ease because they didn't feel sort of as on display, just standing nice. there sure. with someone staring at them. Yeah. Because realistically, you know, if you go perform in a coffee house – People aren't just sitting there in rows looking at you. Mm-hmm. They're milling about. They're having conversations. Um, you know, they're maybe they're doing their homework on their computer mm-hmm. and there's music happening. Right. You know, so I was trying to make one a really exciting audience member experience mm-hmm. and two, give my performers an opportunity to feel like there's a little less pressure on them. Mm. And they could enjoy the performance a little more because they were part of what was happening in the room and not just spotlight is on me. Beautiful. So that that was sort of the goal of everything. And then luckily I had this really incredible team of people to help me put it together because, mm-hmm. you know, as you know, anything that turns out really great usually has some collaboration. Oh, of course. So, you know, we had our accompanist who usually works with us. And then I called my little brother and I was like, hey, can you come up and play bass? And then one of my former students whose little sister was in the performance came up and played drums. Mm. And then um, the venue that I wanted to rent was prohibitively expensive. Mm. And the person who I was working with, the event coordinator, she said, well, hey, you know, your sound guy, he has a nonprofit theater company in town. And if you book through him, you can book at the nonprofit <gasps> price. Ah. So instead of paying $95 an hour for this venue, I paid $25 an hour oh, for this venue. Well done. Well done. And they set up all the chairs and tables for us. And um, I paid a caterer. And the caterer, is a friend of mine because her kids are in my son's school grade and her niece is one of my students. Love it. So she gave me a discount because Mm. she was like, I think this is great and I want to support the arts. And then I had my web designer who just said, this is so cool and I want to be a part of it. I want to design your tickets and I want to design your programs and design an invite for you. And so I thought, okay, this is this is happening. And I kind of decided on a whim, like <laughs> mid-March, that I was going to do this. Wow. So this wasn't was like planned. Like, this was like, uh, I'm going to do it. No. Oh. No. I, I looked at my studio budget mm-hmm. and something had happened with the church that I had been using that I was like, I kind of want to get away from holding my recital in a church and... So I started exploring other options, and then I was like, well, if I'm moving away from this traditional recital format, I'm just going to flip it on its head, because why not? Nice. And so then I looked at my studio budget, and I had set aside a certain amount of money so that I could take a month off this summer. Mm -hmm. And I decided to 
put on the showcase instead of taking a month off. Oh, wow. And and boy, I'm so glad I did. It was worth it. I mean, my students felt so proud of it and they had so much fun and they said that it felt like I mean, it felt like a real performance. I mean, people paid to come watch them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it felt like a real professional experience. But at the same time, they got to have more fun because of the casual atmosphere. Did you get feedback from the parents? What did they think? Oh, they loved it. Ah. The parents loved it. And so we had limited space. We had about 114 seats. And um, all of the parents who pay tuition throughout the year get two complimentary tickets to the event because, mm-hmm. you know, I think if you're paying for your kid to take lessons all year, you know, you might as well get to watch them perform. Mm-hmm. And um, so then that left us about 60 tickets that we could actually sell. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I was scared nobody would want to buy tickets. So I hugely underpriced them and sold them for $10 a ticket. Oh, which meant okay. We sold out pretty fast. Um, I wasn't able to open up ticket sales to the public as Mm. I had planned Mm. because family and friends had bought all of the space up. And then then people just showed up. Mm. So we were completely full. And then other people showed up. And I was like, well, I guess you can go stand in the balcony with the performers. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was over full. Uh Uh-oh. And – which, you know, was an exciting problem to have. Sure, it, it was sure. great that it was so well received and that the community wanted to come be a part of it. And so now I'm going, oh, goodness, how do I, how do, I do this next year so okay. that we have, you know, the right amount of people for seats? And, you know, step number one is charge like $25 a ticket. Yeah, I was just going to say, Michelle's going to have words with you, lady. Like, Oh, she yeah. has. <laughs> she has had words. And she... She asked me, um, you know, so how much money did you make off this showcase? And I'm like, well, I didn't make any money. It was a it was a learning year, <laughs> <laughs> but it but it was so great, and I had a great team. It was so much fun. It was a positive experience for everyone, all around, and I really can't wait to do it again. And everybody's excited about it now. And I had parents telling me, you know, if you ever want a seasoned performer to come up and work with the kids. I'd be happy to, you know, do a duet with somebody. And I was like, are you trying to get on my stage? Oh, my <gasps> gosh. They're totally – they want they want in. <gasps> uh, right? Which is a huge compliment to the studio, of course. But sure. I was just like, that was hilarious to me. Did you did you shut them down? You were like, no, no, the kids got it. We're, we're good. Thanks. Oh, well, you know, he's still paying for his kids, so I might tell him. <laughs> I love it. Oh, Kelly, I this is so wonderful. You you're just doing amazing things and that building that sense of community within our teaching studios goes such a long way as you discovered with putting on this amazing recital and everybody just wanted to be part of it and and you know want to be part of future performances this way. Um thank you for sharing. Yeah your your studio and your story this is so inspiring now before i let you go we have to do warm up of the week and now the warm-up of the week that's right right so i i always ask my guests to share like a go-to a favorite exercise that they use in their teaching studio so 
lay it on us. What, uh, where's your, what's one of your go-to exercises? Okay. So this summer, um, we have been all about getting kind of, um, back to basics Mm -hmm. and, you know, you get to a point where you realize, oh my gosh, my students are working so much harder than they need to be working right now. Mm. So what's the littlest we can do with our voice? Like really what's the smallest thing we can do and get a big impact? So we've just been doing resonance, literally sustaining one note, N, G, M, or N, depending on which student's in front of me, because some of them really hate the N, G. Oh, yes, like, right? Oh Gosh, it's my favorite. But some of them just really hate it. So we literally just like, mm, mm, and they just sustain it. Okay. And I'm like, do less, do less. How little can you do? Have your lips barely touching. Have have less breath moving. Have more breath moving. And they just kind of play around with it mm-hmm. until they find what feels the best to them. And then we open to an ah, right? Mm, ah. And it's not to make a pretty sound. It's not to do anything super profound. Just like feel the power you can have with such little effort. Oh, that is such a great tip. I struggle with that sometimes. You see, well, I have two struggles. Usually either the kids come in low energy and they're not putting any effort in or they're just like you said they're working so hard. I like yeah. that. I like that. I'm I'm as I tell all my guests, I am stealing that. I'm going to I'm going to use Please do. I'm my... sure I stole it from somebody. <laughs> I think that's how it works. Well, Kelly, thank you so much for sharing a little bit of your studio and the the wonderful things that you're doing. And uh, I am excited to hear about your new year. Have you started like your regular season of teaching yet? Are you about to dive in or did you just go all through the year with your kids? So actually today is um, my first official studio closed day to get ready for the school year. So we had our pop-up party last night, which means I am now off until after Labor Day because honestly trying to teach the first week of school is chaos. Everybody's schedule changes. You think you have it and then, you know, so-and-so made this team or someone else (laughs) joined this club and then the time you gave them doesn't work. So I don't even... I don't even bother with that. I just say, okay, we did our summer gig and now I'm going to focus on getting my kids ready for school and I'll do some admin work, you know, planning for the upcoming year. Mm-hmm. So I get I get about not quite two weeks off. Well, I cannot thank you enough for spending one of your one of your days off with me thank on the Full you. Voice Podcast. Uh, and so I, fun. I'm always happy to be with you. Oh, I just, I wish you lived closer. You know, I don't think I told, I didn't tell people where you were from. Kelly is out in Moscow, Idaho. So where exactly is that? Um, it is right on the border of the Idaho Panhandle and oh. Southeast Washington. Mm. So... Yeah, we have, um, I will drive about 10 minutes and get into Washington. So I'm back and forth all the time. (laughs) Oh, wow. That's awesome. Well, I am wishing you 
a beautiful break and uh, all the best getting your, you. your studio set and geared up for the fall. And again, your your conversation day is so inspiring and so wonderful. And thank you for sharing your story. And I will, uh, if you're part of the Voice Teachers for Young Singers group... Yes. Yes. So if I'll see you in the forums, I'm sure. And um, thank you. Thank you for your warm up. Thank you for your stories. This has been wonderful. My pleasure. Thank you. A very special thank you to Kelly for sharing her wonderful story. Now, before I go, just a reminder, be sure to connect with us on the socials. You can follow me on Instagram at The Full Voice. I share singing games, activities, free downloads, new product releases, and so much more. I would love to see what you are doing in your studio. So be sure to tag me and don't forget to check out Oh Christmas Tree. You can find the link in the show notes. As always, I am wishing you inspired teaching and happy singing. Made by Canoe Music. Canoemusic.ca